Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, my friends. That is glorious. And it is gorgeous here. It is. I hear an echo on the phone. It is gorgeous here. Let me mute that. It is gorgeous here in Philadelphia on this August the 9th. It's just just a beautiful day, and we've been blessed this summer. The temperature hasn't been, you know, very, very hot. They've been, I think, fairly mild. So it's been a wonderful summer, and we're already in a couple of weeks. We'll be thinking about autumn, but it's a beautiful August the 9th. And I want to welcome you guys to Off the Shelf for this Saturday morning to our loyal listeners who have been with us for over 10 years. Every year I do this, I just hear the number go up, 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 up. I just want to thank you for those who followed us from Blake Radio, where Off the Shelf got started, over here to Blog Talk Radio, and, and Blake Radio. I always like to give them a shout-out. They're still going, and they still play that smooth, I mean, that awesome jazz over there. And we used to be on the Rainbow Soul Channel. So we want to thank our loyal listeners Time and time and time again, I so appreciate you. And for those that might be your first time tuning in off the shelf, I'd like to introduce myself because I've listened to radio shows and wonder, who who is that talking? So I want to introduce myself to you. As I always say, I'm your host, Denise Turney, and I am coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I encourage you this morning to get a, if you like mystery and romance and you really value relationships and how different situations and experiences, they change us. And some of us, we get harder based on the situations we're in. And some of us, we become more gracious and we become actually more enlightened people. I encourage you, if that, if that, you value that. If that means something to you, I encourage you to pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And you can get a copy at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, the, um, the Google Books. Uh, you can get a copy anywhere in print or ebook format, ebookit.com, Amazon, online or offline. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk. Tell them you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can get you a copy because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And if you want to check out free excerpts, you can go to my website at chistel.com, and that's C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com, and you can read free excerpts of Love Pour Over Me so you can get a feel for the book and some of the other novels that I have written. And so now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today has been here on Off the Shelf before, and she is just a phenomenal woman. And we were chatting a little bit before the show about how you juggle everything, and I want to touch on that a little during the day show because that can become a challenge, and you find yourself drifting away from your your dream or your passion. But our special guest today is Lisa Watson, and she is a native of Washington, D.C. And during the day, she she works for a consulting firm. And one of her passions, some of us have many passions, is writing. She's uh, written short stories, and she's also a novel writer. Some of her books are A Heart for Christmas, some of her short stories, Unfinished Business, Candid Conversations, Watch Your Back, and these are some of her some of her writings that she's uh, put out. As a special treat today, and her latest book, I have to tell you, is Love and Her Heart's Desire, Her Heart's Desire. As a special treat to off-the-shelf listeners today, Lisa's giving away two free Kindle versions of Her Heart's Desire to two listeners, and she can give us details on how she's what the requirements are to win those two free Kindle versions of Her Heart's Desire. You can learn more about Lisa Watson and her books by visiting her website, and you can do that even now as you listen to today's interview, whether you listen live or in archive. And her website is lisawatson.com, and that's L-I-S-A-W-A-T-S-O-N.com. Again, lisawatson.com. Welcome back to Off the Shelf, Lisa. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Denise. As always, it's a pleasure to be here. We we just love having you, and I know you do a lot with the the romance that that just happened. What a couple of two months ago, the romance readers. You you have to get me straight. The romance, the convention, the RT Book Lovers Convention. 
It's an annual book lovers convention that happens. It's put on every year by uh, RT Book Review Magazine. And every year it's in a different city. We were just in New Orleans uh, this past May. And next year we're going to be in uh, Texas. So um, I I do the co-publicity for the event every year. Uh, So one of my jobs is to um, uh, get reviews and interviews uh, for the authors that are attending and to kind of help them spread the word about the upcoming convention and everything uh, associated with it. It's just a lot of work. It's a lot of fun, though. And so it's, it's interesting to have me trying to juggle my author hat and my, you know, publicity hat because when I'm, you know, working in that capacity, I try to, you know, put the author uh, um, me as an author on the back shelf to do the job that I need to do to promote the other authors, and so. Uh, but I do participate in the uh, annual giant, huge book fair, and this year uh, I think it was the biggest it's ever been. I believe we had oh. 700 authors, all wow. from you know, at one time signing books for over 2,500, 3,000 readers. It was just crazy. But it was it was great, and I wouldn't you know ever not miss the opportunity to go uh, every year because you meet so many wonderful people, you learn so much. Uh, they have workshops and they have um, parties and just so much for aspiring authors, published authors, veteran authors, and readers. Um, so it's a really big deal every year, and I try to promote it as often as I can. Oh, yeah, and I think you do a good job, you and uh, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do you do great yeah. a great job That's doing it. What, what, <laughs> yeah. what did you learn this year at the convention before? And I, I always like to give our listeners backstory on our guests for those who might not have listened to your other interviews and it's the first time they're being introduced to you. I, I, I want to do that next. But I wanted to ask you, since we were talking about the convention, what have what did you learn this year as re, in regards to you, your, you focused then on marketing and promoting the event and the authors that attend? What did you learn this year in regards to marketing and promoting authors and books that you plan to use to help expand your own your career? Well, um, one of the things I learned is, you know, most people know this already, but how important social media is uh, in order to keep your name uh, out there and circulating among readers, uh, the ones that you already have, plus new ones that, you know, may have never heard of you, and the importance of just continually, you know, and it can get overwhelming uh, when you think about trying to, get something out on Facebook or Twitter or something every day. Um, but it's, it's just well worth it if you at least attempt to on a regular basis to keep something out there, even if it's just a little musing you've done or if it's maybe you trying to help spread the word about another author that you know, just constantly making sure your name is out there. Uh, because a lot of people may not come across you, maybe the you know first couple of times, but you know they may stumble across your name, or somebody may say, hey, you know I heard about this new author. You know you may want to give her a try. So it's very important, and it's also very important to you know keep uh, promoting yourself wherever you can, and also trying to connect with local readers. That's very important as well, um, because there's a lot of you know, people in the area that um, there are literary events going on in, in your area, there are book signings, there are maybe libraries. A lot of times um, public libraries offer meet and greets with local authors, and they do a lot to try to promote uh, their own in their communities. So a lot of this stuff is things that don't really cost a lot, and very reasonably priced, almost free, and you can kind of, mm-hmm. you know, take advantage of some of these things. Yeah, I think social media is good. And like you said, you have to find a way, especially with advancing technology and so many people are writing and publishing books and the industry just continues to change in large part due to technology. You have to find a way to distinguish yourself and keep your name 
out so that I was I was watching the um listening to a webcast the other day actually on content marketing and that's the same thing whether you're a company or an artist what the guy was saying that we are just drowning in content and you know there there are so many books for readers to choose from in different formats whether it's video you can get stories whether you get them in audio video print ebook I mean you name it it's just so much there's so much how do you get yourself pushed out and he was saying you just have to create amazing content you have to write a yeah. good story that people will want to tell somebody else about and you have to too, um and then too denise when you engage your readers um there are a lot of people that have street teams now i'm not one of them yet because i've gotten around to starting that up but um when you actually get those readers that are very impassioned about what you're reading uh what you're writing and what you know what content that you have, that they are definitely willing and very exuberant about spreading that word out to other readers. And, you know, you find when you get readers in your corner, um, they are your biggest fans and they are your biggest cheerleaders, and they have no problem going out to the other friends and family and readers that they know of and spreading the word about your book. So, you know, definitely take advantage of, the hospitality of readers out there and avail yourself authors of uh, of everything that they can do to kind of help further your career along because at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the readers and, you know, yeah. and it's whether or not they can personally connect with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now, like I say, I like to give our, our off-the-shelf listeners, especially those who, this is the first time maybe they're hearing about Lisa Watson, a fabulous author. Maybe this is the first time they've listened to you interview on Off the Shelf. And, again, Lisa is her website for those who this is your first time being introduced to her and you want to learn more about her. Her website is lisawatson.com. You can go visit her website even as you listen to today's interview. But I want to give those people some backstory on you and maybe even some of our listeners who've heard your other interviews, but it's been months since they've heard you here at Off the Shelf. Can you just tell us uh, what it was like for you growing up in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C., at the time when you were coming up in the city? Oh, well, I can talk all day on this subject. But first of all, it was just incredible. And I think the older I get, the more I appreciate uh, what it was like uh, growing up, uh, I'm about to date myself, and <laughs> you know, I was born in 68, so when you're talking like 68, early 70s, 80s, you know, it was just a great time. It was was not as, you know, technologically advanced as it is now, so there wasn't a lot of you walking around with everybody's head down, plugged into, you know, what's going on on their phone or what's, you know, headphones, you know, and blocking out everything and everybody around them. It, it was just a lot more, you had to find things to do with yourself. I mean, because there was TV and there was radio, and that was about it. So we mm-hmm. got really creative growing up in the games that we played, stuff we did. We just hung out at the, you know, neighborhood community centers. And, you know, it, when it was late, you know, everybody back then would, you know, takes a village to raise a family. Well, everybody's mother was on your case if you did anything. And so you'd get in trouble twice, once by somebody else's mom, the second time when you got home, and your mom figured out what was going on. And so it was just fun to be able to, you know, play outside, and you'd be gone all day. But, you know, my mom would say, okay, when the streetlights get on, you better get your buns back here. And so if we didn't get back in time, this is so embarrassing. My mother had a cowbell, a cowbell, people, a cowbell that she would jingle when it was time for me to come in. And if you weren't in earshot of that cowbell, that basically meant you were too far away from home, and so you'd get in trouble twice. Once for, you know, not getting back before the streetlights came on, and the second because it took you long enough, whereas you didn't hear her cowbell the first couple of times. So, yes, that was interesting to be playing and stuff and hear this darn cowbell, and people like, uh, at least your mom's calling you. Oh, that's embarrassing. So it was just great. I mean, you didn't have to worry about, you know, 
you know, violence and, and you know, a lot of these uh, issues that you have now just weren't there then. And so to me, I think it was a great time for me to grow up. Uh, it really instilled in me a lot of the values and morals that I have to date, and so I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, that's that's wonderful. You took me back. You took me back to when I was growing up and other guests we've had on the show. Growing up back in that time, they, they share similar stories, even though they grew up in a different city. Lisa, what when you were a kid, we all have dreams, even though we might not stick with the dream we have as a child. I'm really shocked at how many, not to say shocked, but surprised, at how many guests I've interviewed, either on the radio or in print or digital, who had a dream as a child, and then somehow they drifted away from it. Some, and many don't come back to it, but just curious, what did you dream about becoming or doing? You worked in technology. You're a writer. What did you dream of becoming when you were a young girl? Pretty much um, I've always wanted to – I was always fascinated with reading and writing. Uh, my sister, older sister jokes that I taught myself how to read. Um, and I would have these long, drawn-out conversations with myself and my characters, um, and she'd be looking at the book, and she's like, well, clearly you're not following what's going on in the book. Um, But I've always, always, always wanted to write. And so I, but but however, the interesting part is I didn't really pursue that uh, probably until my late 20s, and and I had started working at a, a technical consulting company in Virginia, and then uh, I was there for like 11 or 12 years doing purchasing and also telecommunications, and then I got married um, and then had uh, my kids, and then we moved from the Maryland area to uh, Chicago area in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, So we were there for seven years, and so while there, you know, I used to write things uh, as my teenagers teenage years into early adulthood, I used to write things, but I never did anything with them. I started with writing poems and stuff and then eventually graduated um, because I found my, my passion truly lied in stories. And so that's what I started with, but I never did anything with them. And it actually was not until I was in my 20s uh, with small kids that I stumbled across um, fan fiction. If anybody knows me, they know I love Remington Steel. Seriously, love that show. Uh, that was a show that was popular in the 80s with Pierce Brosnan and Stephanie Zimbalist and Doris Roberts. And so I was hooked on that show. And then I stumbled across uh, on the Internet fan fiction sites where people took the characters from those uh, that show. And, of course, you can't get money for these because you don't own the characters. So we would just create fan fiction stories based on the characters from that show and so you'd write your own story and just put the characters in the stories, and you would write and create a, an original storyline. So that's kind of what struck my fancy at the time, and it was just like an epiphany because I was like, wow, I could so do that. And, you know, typical, oh, yeah, I could do that. And then I started doing it, <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a website, and I'm going to create that, and I'm going to put those stories out there. And then I did that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just created a website and put the stories out there. And so (laughs) I was a little nervous because as a writer, it's just like one thing is you, you, well, me specifically, I I never thought that it's like I wanted to do it, but I wasn't sure if I was that great at it. Uh, But I just had this burning desire to do it. And so when I started getting emails from people and uh, they were letting me know, hey, I read your story. I loved your story. When's the next one? And, oh, I love you know, how you did that, and that was a very original. And, oh, when are you going to do this? And then I started getting those type of emails from all over the world, so from Germany, from Argentina, from Venezuela, from England, from everywhere, from the U.S. Wow. And that really sparked my desire to continue to do what I was doing, and so – uh, I, I began just writing the stories, and I had the support now that I needed from the readers to continue to do that. And so then I found, once again on the Internet, found a writer's convention, and it was the Romance Slam Jam back in 2002. And I had never heard of it before. I had never even thought about looking for a writer's convention, but I just stumbled across it. 
And so then I just had this prompting to go, to go. You have to go to this. And so I had small kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was like, oh, I have nobody to watch my kids, so I had to fly my mother in from D.C. to watch them. And my husband was like, go, go do it, which was shocking in and of itself. So I'm like, well, clearly there's something more divine going on here (laughs) that I, I need to be aware of. So I am of the mind now that when things happen to you, they're for a reason. If things get put in your path, you have to, you owe it to yourself to follow it, to see where it goes. Because you don't know, you know, sometimes when you're just being gently prompted, you know, most people think if you get a, a, if you get a direction and God shows you something that you need to do, uh, sometimes people think, oh, there's got to be a lot of pomp and circumstance with that. There's seas that got apart, and there's lightning, and all of this brilliant <laughs> stuff. And, and and sometimes it's not that at all. It's a yeah. subtle, quiet prompting that you really have to pay attention to because you may miss it. And so right. when these things started unfolding in my life, one after the other, I said, okay, clearly. I'm supposed to be doing this. And that's the same with writing for me. When I kept coming back to writing, no matter how many years would pass, I wouldn't write, then I'd come, I keep wanting to come back to it. So at that point, you got to say, oh, okay, hey, clearly this is something I'm supposed to be doing. And so I went to the convention, and it, it basically changed my life. And I ended up walking away with uh, a newfound Uh, desire to pursue writing, I met incredible, incredible writers there, aspiring authors, veteran authors, newly published authors, some of my, you know, really dear friends uh, in the writing world, uh, I found at that convention, like Pat Simmons and the late, you know, L.A. Banks, I mean, she, I can talk all day on her, but she was phenomenal. And, and Gwen Forster and Brenda Jackson and Beverly Jenkins. Um, these are, you know, people that I still know and, and converse with today. So, you know, and, and, and then I came away from it also with being able to write a short story for an anthology that ended up getting published a few years later. So, you know, you never know where your blessings are going to come from. Um, you just owe it to yourself to be open to change okay. into things. And it's a scary proposition, believe me. I still get nervous every time I even think about writing something or I'm doing an interview or, or something, but you get past that and you know yes. that good, some nerves are good nerves and it's all for a reason. It's all to in, you know, enhance and forward your story. Yes, and and not to let those nerves and who hasn't felt them, Everybody you see who's gone on to fulfill either, and it's an ongoing process, part of, of a dream, they felt those nerves and moved and moved beyond them. So we do encourage our off-the-shelf listeners to do that. We have a question from a Denise Stokes, and uh, we thank her uh, uh, for a question. She says, she says, do you use outline when you create your stories? And then I want to start talking about your novel, Her Heart's Desire, so we can introduce that to our to our listeners. But do you use outline or do you just sit down and write? Um, to be honest, Denise's, I do both. I, I do an outline because <laughs> publishers like outlines. Editors, you know, when I propose a, a, a series or a story, they want to see the whole thing in its entirety in an outline format. Um, that is, to me, the hardest thing for me to write, uh, to actually pin myself down, sit down, and actually come up with what I want the story to be from the beginning all the way through the end. So an outline is basically just your entire story minus the dialogue. So for me, it's, it's like pulling teeth. I know I have to do it, but I don't really like to do it. And so what happens is I do do an outline, however, when I write, I sit down and I just write. The, you know, the, the muse comes to me and I start writing. And so I, I check back in every so often with my outline, but basically I just let the spirit move me and what I write is what I write. And so sometimes it may be really close to the outline that I started with and sometimes it does deviate off that path a bit. 
Um, but the bottom line is I just make sure that I write the best story that I can and that, you know, if my editor has, you know, some things they want to tweak or change or add or delete or whatever, we do that. But I, I basically get the gist of what the story is that I want to write, and then I just let it flow. Oh. And, you know, a lot of people say not to take that approach. That's the way I write. Some people always say you have to do it. I've heard even established authors. You have to do an outline. You have to do an outline. You have to do an outline. But the, there are authors who have had success just sitting down yeah. and, and writing and and not working. Uh, with I think whatever works for you. You know, again, I've heard That's people swear by an outline. There's always more than one, two, fifteen hundred ways to do something. So it literally has to be whatever it is that you feel comfortable doing. I know authors that religiously stick to that outline, um, mm-hmm. and I know some that don't even do an outline. So I mean, it really just depends because at the bottom, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you have to write the way you're programmed to write, the way you function, the way you're hardwired to write. And so that's, to me, when you get the most genuine, the most riveting story is when you're being true to yourself and how you work. And so you you cannot get caught up in, well, such and such does it this way, so I have to do it that way. Or such and such does it this way, I have to do it that way. You have to do it your way. Okay, whatever works for you. I, I, I totally agree with that. I want to now start talking about her heart's desire because, believe it or not, we are almost halfway through today's show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, these shows go by so fast. I have probably, I'm only going to get to maybe a third of the questions that I wanted to ask you, but okay. I definitely want to talk about her heart's desire. Can you tell us when it came is it out on the market yet? And if so, when it came out? And then can you give off-the-shelf listeners a brief synopsis of Her Heart's Desire. Sure. sure. Okay. Uh, it was just released May 2014, so it just came out while I was pretty much at RT, uh, is when it actually hit number one on Amazon. So that was a day. Oh, congratulations. I, congratulations. I, I had such a rough morning that morning because I had uh, done something crazy wonky, and my third book that's coming out in October I literally had to go through my copy edits while I was at RT in one night. I had one day to do it and turn it around. So I didn't get a whole heap of lot of sleep that night. And that morning, I didn't. I think I didn't go to bed till like 5 in the morning, but that morning later on I just happened to check. Let me see where Her Heart's Desire is on Amazon because uh, it, it debuted at number three for the longest time. So I was staring at the number one spot, which is Dara Gerard's story, um, and I was looking at the back of her book cover. I'm like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> but, uh, it did hit number one, and I was shocked, blessed, happy, thrilled. I did a happy dance. I mean, I seriously n- I never did. expected it to hit number one. But it was great, and um, so it's, it's still doing really, really well. Readers really do enjoy the characters. Um in that story, uh, and then the next one is coming out uh, in October. So it's a, it's, to date, it's a three-book series. It's called the Matchbroker series. We're on book two, Her Heart's Desire. And um, a little bit about the book, hey, let's face it, who doesn't have someone in their lives that thinks that they're the perfect matchmaker and that they've got the perfect guy or the perfect woman for you? Well, Norma Jean Anderson takes that notion to a whole new level. She's convinced that all of her son Adrian's friends need to benefit from her wisdom and happiness because, you know, what mother doesn't want to spread that love around? Uh, After all, she's found her true love, so why not do the same for everybody else? So for Tiffany, uh, Tiffany is set up by Norma Jean. Um, Having her be set up by Norma Jean is literally the last thing on her to-do list. She's a Chicago boutique owner. Uh, She's not been thrilled lately with her dating prospects, and she tries to kind of stay under Norma Jean's radar. Adrian's friends called Norma Jean the love broker. Um, So she tries to stay under the love broker's radar. But when she meets Colonel Ivan Mangum, when he saunters into her store, that's it for Tiffany. He takes Mm. her breath away. Um, but you know the old adage, be careful what you ask for. 
Um, it's the same for Tiffany. Uh, because of her dating disaster, she's dreaming of this guy that can just pamper her and truly um, be appreciated by a wonderful man to truly feel protected. And Ivan does that in spades. But, you know, their road to happiness isn't always a smooth one. Um, and so the question is, will they be able to bridge that gap uh, between their differences uh, or will it keep them apart? Uh, because she's got past issues that she's dealing with in her life. Her parents didn't exactly have the best marriage. They were with each other, but they were miserable. And so when uh. her father left, that really caused uh, a, a hole to be missing in her mom. And though she tried to, you know, function on a day-to-day basis, she had a job, she went to work, Tiffany was, you know, there to witness firsthand how affected her mother was by her marriage ending and how she was literally just a shell of a person still trying to function, but, you know, that spark, the zing, uh, just wasn't there. And so she's coming at relationships from that. And Ivan's family, uh, his parents are still together, very much in love. His father was military also. He was a retired colonel, so from a young age, Ivan and his brother Cole have been drilled in them how to treat a woman, how to be respectful, how to hold doors, how to, you know, just pamper them and take care of them. And it's Ivan's job in the military to protect people. It's what he does. And also uh, he opens up his own company, and it's dignitary protection. His job and his company's job is to protect notables uh, when they're traveling around the world, and they will do anything to make sure that their client is safe. So uh, protecting people is ingrained in Ivan, and so it, it sometimes it causes a little friction between the two because you've got Tiffany who's independent. She's used to doing her own thing. You know, she's used to taking care of herself. And then you've got Ivan who's used to you know, taking care of his woman. So they have some, some interesting bumpy uh, situations, pro, you know, crop up, and they have to learn how to compromise in order to forward their relationship. So there's a lot of ups and downs. Meanwhile, there's still Norma Jean trying to, you know, set, set them up. And you never wonder, you, never, you always wonder while you're reading the book, did Norma Jean put them together, or is that something ah. that happens on its own? But you never know, and she's not telling. <laughs> is 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 um, it, you gave us a little bit of backstory on Tiffany and Ivan. Is Tiffany an only child? You said how long were her parents married? You said they were together a long time, but they were unhappy. What did her What does her mother do when she as she was growing up, and what did her father do as she was growing up? I'm trying to get a picture of her parents. And again, is she an only child? Yeah, she is an only child. Um, her dad was a, a, a principal in a high school, and her mom, she worked in a company uh, in the HR department. So they were professionals. They, you know, had great, great jobs and lots of family surrounding them. And they would be, you know, typical when you go out, you're on your best behavior. So really no one knew of the problems that they they were having within their marriage. And unfortunately, because of... Tiffany being an only child, you know, there was really no escape for it for her. So she was able, you know, they tried, you know, as parents do, if you're having a little argument, you try to kind of take it offline. But sometimes that didn't happen. And it just got to the point where she was more relieved when they got divorced. Um, She wasn't quite as broken up about it as, as some might be because she just looked at it like, well, great, you know, now... I don't have to, you know, listen to all the arguments. Everybody can go just be happy and go do whatever it is they need to do, just not together. And so she just looked at it like, hey, I got one more place to have a nice little bedroom and decorate it with however I want because she was a teenager when they broke up. And But just having to watch, though, because uh, she lived with her mom until she, she moved out, but having to watch her mom kind of just lose, it, w- it was almost like, you know, her identity was so wrapped up in, Tiffany's father, that when Tiffany's father left, you know, it it was hard for her mother to kind of bounce back and recover from that because it's like half of her is missing. And so she didn't have that gumption to pick herself up by her bootstraps and just 
learn how to not be entwined with her ex-husband. And so for Tiffany, that just reiterates to her the fact that there is not necessarily a happy ending for everybody and that sometimes relationships just bust up and, you know, that's not really what she wanted. And But, you know, that ends up being for a long time what she experiences, just this dating disaster after dating disaster after relationship disaster. And mm. so when she, Ivan, it's kind of like she's coming at it from a place where she can't help herself because her emotions get caught up in it first before her mind. And so she just sees him and is so blown away. But she's also nervous and apprehensive about it as well because she's wondering, hey, is this real? Is it going to last or is it just going to implode and there be no happily ever after just like my parents? So uh, mm. she's got a lot to deal with and kind of try to sort through in order to ultimately be happy. Is Tiffany, you know, you see people even in real life where they keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. And at the beginning of a relationship, they always so often seem new. And it's not until you get in the middle. It, that's even if you go from job to job to job. A lot of times you you feel like your situation, your experience has changed. You get in the middle of it and you're like, dog, I did the same thing again. You're like, I just put my <laughs> the same situation, but you didn't care. The start looks so different, so new you don't notice it. Is she someone who keeps making the same mistakes over and over? As hard as she tries to be alert and pay attention and not make the same mistakes, is, does she find herself in those same situations where she's swept away as soon as she meets a guy, and then she, later she's like, here I am in the same but again, that's that's one question. The second is, is there something about Ivan really genuinely, not just in her mind, that is different from any other guy she's met? Yes. Um, let's start with the first question. Um, it is human nature to kind of get <laughs> to just do things over and over again. But, you know, when they don't actually end well or it's just one disaster after another, it's, sometimes it's hard to reprogram yourself to, to do something differently. Um, so when she meets Ivan, she, again, he's there to install a security system for her. Uh, he was recommended to her by Norma Jean um, because, you know, Ivan helps out a lot in the community. Ivan, so that's how Norma Jean met him at the senior center. Um, he was helping with the security system there, and then she roped him into kind of doing a senior uh, security, you know, class senior citizens kind of helping them protect themselves. And so when he meets Tiffany, it's all about business for him. His job is to be there to install a security system for her. And, you know, when she just meets him, she's like, okay, hello. <laughs> uh, you know, so she really has to try to tamp that down. And, and, and then when they start moving from uh, – client and, 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 you know, client-employer relationship because he's working for her. And when he's done, that's kind of when the relationship gets kind of going. And so uh, at first she's all like, woo, this is wonderful. He's amazing. And then she starts to do the old, oh, gosh, every time. I mean, does he have to hold the door every time or does he have to do this every time? Oh, my goodness, it's a little annoying. And so her girlfriend, uh, Milan, is the one that stops and goes, wait a minute. You said you wanted a guy who did all of these things. Mm -hmm. Ivan does all of these things, and yet you're 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 hesitant or you're finding fault with it. You're, it's like you you won't allow yourself to be happy. You know what is going on? So at that point, she has to kind of evaluate how she does things and whether she may be doing a little subconscious sabotaging. Uh, in, her, in her own relationships. So she kind of has to take a look at herself and, you know, take stock of herself and see if, if she's the one that, you know, because of her fear that stuff's not going to work out, she starts sabotaging things so that self-fulfilling prophecy kicks in and stuff won't work out. But, you know, Ivan's a different ilk. He's not really one to kind of just, let, you know, let things walk, you know, just bust up without trying everything he can to to 
work out a situation. He's very good at problem solving, and, you know, eventually they, they do, like I said, have their little rough spots where, she, you know, she's got baggage she's dragging along behind her. He's got baggage she's dragging along, and they have to they get at a crossroad whether it's going to be, okay, are we going to lay down some of this baggage and go make our own new baggage, or what are we going to do? So um, for Ivan... Uh, he's just very used to doing things a certain way as well. He's very regimented. And so his past comes into play where that causes some problems in his relationship with uh, Tiffany because of the fact he's used to keeping things to himself. Uh, From a previous relationship, she never wanted to know when he was in harm's way. She never wanted to know if something bad happened. Uh, she didn't want to know if somebody got hurt or killed or anything about the details of, of life in the military. And so he got used to not disclosing that information to keep the peace. Well, that's not how Tiffany operates. Tiffany, when she's all into a relationship, you better keep the lines of communication open. She wants to know what's going on. And that causes a bit of a problem between the two because of what they're used to. Okay. Yeah, uh, Denise was saying that Ivan seems like he's just used to he's used to being by himself. He's someone who's used to being by himself. So both of them, when you first talk about Tiffany, it sounds like Ivan has it all together, and that uh, Tiffany's the one with the issues. But in all relationships, we, we you know, we oh, all. Oh, yeah. Ivan's got issues too. Ivan has seen a great deal. Okay, he uh, was in, you know, a really elite. Squad and and he saw death daily. He saw what happened to uh, women and children in the throes of, of, of fighting, and that affects him. That comes with him no matter what happens to him. A, a personal, really good friend in his team died, and he promised to take care of of. I don't want to give too much away, but he promised to take care of this guy's ex. Uh, ex-wife, and it ends up being Ivan's ex-girlfriend. And so <laughs> there's a lot of, he made a promise, but still, you know, and he's going to see it through, but it's not exactly the best situation for Ivan to be in. Uh, it causes a lot of heartache and, and tension later. And he doesn't sleep well. He doesn't sleep well because he's got a lot of demons that he's trying to keep at bay. So he's mm. hardly perfect. He's got a lot of stuff that he needs to work out as well. And a lot of things that maybe in a prior, you know, since that failed relationship with his uh, ex-fiance, he hasn't really had many relationships. He's had a couple, but they haven't really lasted very long. And he's kind of just business first for him, as is, as it is with Tiffany. Business really consumed her, and she really didn't have a lot of time to be worrying about dating and the man in her life or not having a man in her life. And so when they come together, they both are kind of similar in ways, but then they're both both definitely a, a lot different than they're either one of them are used to dealing with. Well, you know, maybe they <laughs> other than novels in real life, it's like, did you ever hit this place where everything's smooth? I was just reading something on America Online where they were saying, the, uh, some research, the soulmate thing, they're really like debunking it. And it, it doesn't even really exist. It, 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 you, you're going to go from one, you go, just like in, if you're in or not in a romantic relationship, you go from a struggle to a calm play, period, then back to some challenge. back. And it's the same thing in relationships. And they say when people believe in soulmates, they think it ought to just be smooth selling. <laughs> Nothing's ever smooth. <laughs> like, does it? When does that happen? You know, you hit your you hit your your smooth places, but then here come those bumps in the road that you have to deal with. And and that, and that is what life's all about. You've got your different challenges. You've got your calm seas, and you've got your stormy seas. I think the biggest thing is what you do to combat both. I mean. You've got to be able to be fluid. You have to change when your circumstances change. The the time, I think, when you run into problems is when you're just rigid. You're a, I'm this way, and that's the mm-hmm. only way, and it's either my way or the highway. 
So when you're when you don't bend and you don't, I'm not saying let people run all over you. What I'm saying is there are times in your life when things will run smooth. There'll be nothing asked of you. You you won't have to give more than your yourself or what you're used to giving. But then there will be times when you may have to give way beyond what you're you know what you normally do and what you're used to. And and you have to be able to to realize that sometimes compromise is necessary. Sometimes it's give and take. Sometimes it's your pick pick and choose your battle. Sometimes it's your time to win the skirmish. Sometimes it's not. And so you have to ask yourself, you know, uh, because things aren't always smooth sailing, and you may meet the soulmate and the man or woman you're destined to be with forever and ever and ever, and everything might go all great and smooth and warm fuzzies for maybe 10, 15, 20 years, but maybe on that 21st year you have a little bump in the road. So the question is whether or not you're going to jump over the bump, go around the bump, or whether or not you're going to stop and go, mm, I don't have time for a bump, and you turn around and go back the way you came. <laughs> so I think that it has a lot to do with you know, not getting caught up in preconceived notions of how something is supposed yes. to be. But nothing yeah, ever I, turns out yeah. the way it's supposed to be 100% of the time. Yeah, and it sounds like Tiffany and and Ivan might have those, and then and it sounds like they might expect things to be a little rough. So you're like, I don't want to even enter into it. Now, her heart's desire. It's the second book in the Match Broker series. Is that correct? Yes. And you'll see uh, similar characters. I like to continue the characters throughout because everybody seems to be in love with Norma Jean and Adrian and Milan so, and, and Heathcliff, Norma's, Norma Jean's husband. So you'll see them again uh, in Her Heart's Desire uh, from Love Contract. You'll also see them again, just not uh, as big a part to play in book three, Love by Design. That book mm-hmm. is going to be centered around Norma Jean's nephew, Logan Montague. And that's oh, okay. going to be centered around the love of his life, Dakota. Uh, and he ended up losing her for a long time, and he's out to get her back and win her over. But he's got a seriously uphill battle. Um, and so that's going to be filled um, with a little bit of <laughs> rocky roads for them, um, whereas they, too, will wonder whether or not it's all worth it. But uh, mm. you know, I, I think people will really enjoy Love by Design. Uh, that's going to take us to a, uh, a nice little Caribbean uh, getaway resort uh, that Logan's fa- uh, company, his family owns. So you're going to see a little bit of, uh, island romance in Jamaica going on, and so <laughs> it was really fun to write. It was really fun to kind of revisit uh, Norma Jean and her band, and um, a lot of people, a lot of people have been writing me now and going, okay, well, where's Cole's story? Because Cole needs a story. Cole was Ivan's brother in her heart's desire, so a lot of people really connected with Cole. So I am working on the outline for Cole's story as we speak, and hopefully okay. we'll be able to get uh, get maybe a fourth book of the Match Broker series coming soon. So we'll, okay. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> now you talked about being in the Caribbean. That's where uh, you said Love by Design is going to is, is is located. Now both Love Contract. When I was doing the research. For today's interview, I said, man, this is kind of interesting. Both Love Contract and Her Heart's Desire are set in Chicago, but you're from mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., as we discussed at the start of today's show when we were giving backstory on you to our off-the-shelf listeners. Is there a particular reason why you set the novels in Chicago? Yep, Denise, they basically say write what you know or what somebody else knows, and that's what I do a lot. Um, I love Chicago. I lived in Aurora uh, for seven years, which is basically 40 miles west of Chicago. It's a suburb of Chicago, and my husband worked in Chicago. So granted, I didn't get a chance to go very often, but whenever I did, I absolutely loved being in Chicago, loved Lake Michigan, loved Navy Pier. So a lot of the things that you'll see in my books are places that I really do have a fond connection to, and I really just love to write about them, to be in them, to experience them, to get to explain them to readers. 
and 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 you, so you just never know where I'm going to end up in one of my books um, because I like to bring in not just local uh, stuff, but also sometimes I like to travel. So I like to put travel in the books as well. Watch your back was set in Washington D.C., surrounded by an art gallery, but we ended up taking a trip to uh, Umbria, Lazio, Italy. So we got a little Tuscan flavor in that one. Um, interview with. Um, Love was the next book that was set in the Raleigh area, um, and and you just you just never know where I'm going to end up. Um, <laughs> these two books are set in Chicago again, and we take nice little tours around the Chicago area and bringing in some restaurants, some of the local um, places to hang out: Grant Park, Buckingham Fountain. Um, so. Yeah, you just never know. And again, in Love by Design, the third book, we do start in Chicago, but like I said, uh, Logan's family owns a resort, and one of them is um, in Ocho Rios, Jamaica. And so a lot of the book is spent there, and what better place to kind of have a rekindled romance than in the Caribbean, really? Nope. So I have a lot of fun. We are down to under 10 minutes, and again, I have so many questions I wanted to ask you that I'm simply not going to get get around to as we're coming down to less than 10 minutes in today's show. I, I want to ask you, what major lessons did you learn for off-the-shelf listeners who might want to write a novel or they may have written one and on the on their way to writing the second. What major lessons did you learn while writing your first novel, Lisa, that you continue to stick with and use today? Uh, the first is that um, opportunity is not going to come knocking at your door necessarily. Mm. Editors are not going to come knocking on your door asking for your manuscript. You, if you want to be a published author, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people. If you want to be a published author, you need to go where the published authors are. You need to go where the editors are, where the publishing houses are, where the agents are. You can't do that in a better spot than attending a writer's convention because literally that is what they do. They have all different types of conventions based on the genre that you would like to write in. All of that's available by just Googling and looking for writers' conventions. They have some that are local. Some of them change different venues every year. But they have workshops there that teach you how to work on your craft. They teach you the business side of writing, the logistics side, the legal side, about character pacing and development, how to get your book edited, about social media. I mean, RT alone has over 125 workshops available the whole five days that you're at that convention. And so you're able to sit there and soak up the knowledge of the people that came before you. You also have the ability to have one-on-one interviews with agents that are looking for talent, for editors that are looking for books and manuscripts. So you have the ability to have a one-on-one pitch session. It's only a few minutes, but really that's all you need is to get your story out there and into, you know, face-to-face with people that, you know, have the ability to acquire your manuscript. Another thing I cannot stress enough is to have your manuscript finished and professionally edited. We're not talking about your old ex-English teacher. We're not talking about a friend who knows a friend who knows a friend. We are talking about a professional literary agent whose job it is to edit manuscripts, and they're not all cut the same. A lot of them will give you free sample edits so you can see their work, they can see your work, and you can go from there. But it should be as polished and tightly written as you possibly can have it. And you need to, uh, you can go online and you can look for the different publishing houses. They all have submission guidelines on their websites which tell you exactly what they're looking for the word count, the genre, uh, any other details, what's hot right now, and what they're acquiring and what they're not, so that you're not sending your romance to a publisher that's not looking for a romance right now, or you're sending a paranormal to someone that is done with paranormal, and now they're on to you know, sci-fi or something like that. So you know exactly what they're looking for, and you need to uh, make sure that you're shopping it in the right place. 
so that it does not end in the slush pile, which is a glorified way of saying the trash. <laughs> oh, and one of the other things about going to these conventions is when you do talk to these people and they do ask you to send them something, now you have a way of reminding them when they saw you, what they asked for, and this is now requested material. This is not you just cold calling or you just submitting something willy-nilly that's going to get put in the trash. This is requested material, and you always remind them of where they met you and the conversation that you had. So you really need to be mindful of that. And a lot of them take email queries as well, so you can actually get a lot faster response times now than you could years ago when everything had to go slow mail, snail mail. You've shared a lot, as all of our guests always do. And this is something to off-the-shelf listeners. And most of our listeners tune into the archives, and we get hundreds and hundreds of listeners who tune into each show, and I, and I always thank our listeners. But every guest, and I don't plan this, what I say to our listeners, they always share something valuable that it just comes out in the interview. We have such a small amount of time left, Lisa. You said, I know you said you were going to give away two rekindle versions. Please let our off-the-shelf listeners know what they need to do to win those, and then also... Tell us where we can get copies of your books. Okay, really quick. Email me, people, lywatson007 at hotmail.com. Email me and say free book offer in the subject line. I will award the free book to my first and my 15th email that I receive. So get it in there now, people. Send me an email. Whoever is the first or the fifteenth will win the uh, will win the ebook, and that way I'll have your email so I can gift it to you. And you can find my books on Amazon.com. You can find them on Barnes and Noble. Um, you can do a search uh, for my website. You can click the link on my website to the books. I have excerpts on my website. Uh, you can also click uh, on it from Amazon. You can read uh, into the book. You can read an excerpt from there uh, so that you can see the gist of uh, some of the story. And always lisawatson.com. And I'm on Facebook as well, uh, NC Lisa Watson on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Lisa Y. Watson. I'm on Pinterest and Goodreads. So I'm trying to be everywhere. <laughs> and we have a question. When is the book on coal? Did you say when is that book coming out again? I I do not know yet. That is uh, currently being proposed to my editor, so hopefully Harlequin Kamani will pick up that fourth novel uh, for the Match Broker series, and readers will be able to uh, check out Cole's story. I will definitely keep everybody posted on when that's going to be out. Book three is going to be out October this year, 2014, Love by Design. You can pre-order it now. Uh, from Amazon, and um, definitely that is going to be something I think that is going to be a, a great story. So I can't wait. We have been honored. It's just been a pleasure. Lisa's been with us. I think this is the third or fourth time she's been on Off the Shelf, and our listeners do love having Lisa here. Again, if you want to uh, win a free copy, she's giving away two of her heart's desire, shoot her an email. And her website, again, is lisawatson.com. She's giving it away to the first and the 15th person who, who emails her. Rather than sitting back and saying there's no chance you'll win, again, we do have a lot of listeners, many of them in the archive. Uh, we get hundreds of listeners each week. Rather than saying there's no chance you can win, you can email her and see. You just might be number one or number 15, and you might win a free copy of Her Heart's Desire. So give yourself a chance uh, to get a copy of the book. We want to thank Lisa Watson, again, author of Her Heart's Desire, for being here with us on Off the Shelf Radio today, and we thank all of you. As I always tell you, you are incredible. You are amazing. You're absolutely fabulous. Go out and create a wonderful, wonderful day for yourself today. Please come back here next Saturday, 11 o'clock a.m., or 11 o'clock in the morning, New York City time, as they always say. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, book lovers everywhere to tune in to Off the Shelf, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. Thank you again to Lisa. Remember, LisaWatson.com. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you to all of our listeners. 
Bye for now. Lisa, I'll shoot you an email. All righty, bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.